0: all right hello everyone and welcome to episode 124 of the speak up podcast where we talk about the conversations you need to have to move forward towards your goals and today we have somebody very different very different background from anybody we've ever talked to on the show uh he his name is robert bravo but he goes by Bo, and he has a book out called from the battlefield to the White House to the boardroom, leading organizations to value-based results. And uh, what is really cool about Bo is that <clears throat> he worked in the White House under George W. Bush and Barack Obama. So that's, that. That sounds like a very far away time right now where one person could actually do that. So we wanna get some scoop about that. And I'll just tell everybody real quickly that, um, so Bo was in the army and he served in Iraq and he has a lot of very cool stories in his book. And then he got into HR uh, and was with the HR, the White House Communications Agency and da, 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 the presidential communications office with both Bush and Obama, and he's had some top HR roles in the healthcare industry, and then he was clearly needed something else to do, so he founded the Hale Media Group, and he has his own podcast called The Bo and Luke Show. So welcome to the Speak Up podcast.
1: Thank you, Laura. This is, this is fantastic. I'm excited glad well, to be here
0: i'm excited too i'm ex- i love to i just learned so much and getting to talk to interesting people from different backgrounds so i have zero military experience however i will say that both my daughters are marrying one has married and one's going one is married a uh not a seal but a scuba officer in the navy just graduated from you uh, from NC State a couple of years ago, and the other huh. daughter is marrying a Marine, a young Marine officer, wow. also just graduated. So I expect Congratulations to learn. To them. <laughs> yes, it is exciting. You'll be, you'll
1: be inundated.
0: Uh, soon. Well, maybe I'll understand some of those acronyms. Yeah. But of course, you have this very juicy job experience in the yeah. White House communications team. But in reading your book, I learned that there's this connection between the military and the white house communication teams that I didn't know. So I want you to explain how that works. Sure. I want you to, is I guess that's still going on and then just really talk to us about leading those teams and, and working for two different presidents. So
1: absolutely exciting topic. I love talking about it. And I love, I love educating people and, and bringing things to, to light that most people just don't know are happening. Uh, Inside of, our, inside of our country or what our military is participating in uh, outside of what you might normally think. But I, I always start this conversation with what's very visible to us all. When we watch the president on TV, we see Air Force One all the time, right? When, when he's flying around the world, uh, he's flying on the same plane. That's the United States Air Force, Air Force One. Uh, that is all part of, op- for operational control, what's part of the White House military office, So there is a director, a political appointee, uh, that runs the white house military office. And then you have these, I'll call them departments or agencies, if you will, uh, that are military organizations, white house communications was one of them that I was part of. Uh, everybody knows there's camp David where the president goes and like a little retreat that's run by the Navy and you have the white house mess, which is also the United States Navy and white house transportation, which is the United States army. Um, that are all directly supporting the office of the president and the first lady, the uh, white house staff and so forth. It's a really a big giant machine that runs this, runs this. It's like a, when you go into the West wing during the week, I mean, it's like going into a busy office building. I mean, people are working, um, doing their everyday job, you know, that they're hired to do. And uh, you have this, I think it's, it's very it's critical to the infrastructure of our country and how it all runs. You have a large group of individuals that don't change when the administration changes. And a lot of that is there and that stability and confidence is in the military and the operation that the military is doing um, every single day uh, for the office of the president, regardless of who that person is. That makes
0: so much sense now that you're yeah. describing it. It's just not something that you really think about,
1: right? Right. Even from the what what was so so fascinating for me and leading the te- the communication teams, you know, every time the president steps up to a microphone and behind the podium, uh, it's it's mili- it's the military teams that are that are running that. It's the White House Communications Agency, which is part of the Department of Defense, uh, that's running that. That's plugging or providing the audio back to the news stations. So. Uh, recording the President, so it all goes into the uh, National Archives uh, when those speeches are done, and giving uh, giving the President the same capability wherever he is at um, that he would have in Washington, DC. So whether he's he's in Europe, South America, Denver, Colorado, doesn't matter. You're providing that same level of of information technology support, audio support, phone support, being able to talk in a classified type of uh, capability or unclassified. So everything that the president can do sitting in the Oval Office, from a communications perspective, he can do wherever he's at in the world. And those were the teams that I had the the honor of leading uh, while I was part of the White House Communications Agency, which well, that was- That sounds very yeah.
0: exciting, right? And very yeah, lots of logistics and technical part, yeah, and very little political part, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, very much so. We I you know, an easy way to describe it for people to to get a get a feel for what's happening, you know, when you have big popular musicians and rock bands and and so forth and they when they're on their tour schedules and they're going from city to city to city, obviously there's this big logistical uh effort that follows them. You know, they show up before the before the concert happens, they're getting everything set up uh and ready for the band to show up to, to do it and uh, to perform the concert. And that's really kind of, you know, in a, in a, in layman's terms, what we were doing where we're getting to an event site before the president would show up about a week, about six, seven days before he'd get there um, and get everything wherever he was going to go. We just get everything set up uh, and ready. And then when the president shows up, you know, unlike a concert, there's no rehearsal. Uh, so this is, this is you know, when we talk about team performance and team building And high performing teams, uh, you know, when the president shows up and there's no rehearsal and you gotta be, I mean, you cannot have flaws, right? Right. There cannot be errors, it cannot go wrong. It has to go right every single time. Um, There's a, just for anybody listening, you can just imagine what that would take from a a preparation, training, uh, doing it over and over and over and over again and, and having such a level of high confidence in your people and in your team and empowerment for your people so that they can actually be set free to do their job that they're there to do. And you as the leader can have trust and confidence that they're doing it. Um, Lots that goes into that. Uh, Fascinating time. Love talking about it. So keep the questions coming.
0: (laughs) That reminds me, do you know that story about the Brown M&Ms and the Van Halen concerts? I, I don't. Oh my gosh, um, because you're mentioning the analogy with the rock bands. So this was Van Halen, which I never saw. I never went to a Van Halen concert. Yeah, me either. Yeah, but lots, I guess like all concerts of that genre, lots of lights and electrical Uh things. And they had a, so at every venue, you know, they had this big, like huge would look like a phone book back for those of you who know what a phone book looks like of all the specs of you know and then in the very like in the middle page there was this instruction that there were to be bowls of m&ms placed in certain locations uh-huh. with all the brown ones removed oh wow and that was their way of knowing if yeah. they had actually read the manual or not is
1: it that's something
0: yeah so i guess i don't know if you had any tricks like that but, there's uh... it's
1: funny that you mentioned that because i i even have some here in my in my home office um there's a parallel there so okay. whenever the president would travel and he's coming to an event site it could be somebody's house it could be a big arena doesn't matter a hotel doesn't matter what where the site is um part of our job on the communication side was we'd call it a potus POTUS hold, which is basically just a room and that's where we would have some equipment set up uh, in case the president had to make a phone call, secure, non-secure, whatever the case might be. But then just before usually a couple hours before the president would arrive, uh, a member of the White House mess and the mess for military terms is, is food, cafeteria, that food preparation. They would come in and they would place certain types of items just in case the president came into the room if he needed it, the type of uh, maybe the type of soda that he liked to drink type of snacks that the president liked some M&Ms because there's little boxes of presidential M&Ms. Um, they were always a coveted item. If you could get a hold of a box, right. Um, Why? I still I have, a, <laughs> yeah, I still have a few of those boxes. I would never open it up and, and eat them because they're, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old. Um, uh, but they're I little tiny that. boxes with presidential seal on them and there's M&Ms inside and, um, You'd have some of those there, and some other types of candies. And I remember President President Obama. He liked a certain type of, uh, like a um, protein bar type mm-hmm. of deal. Mm-hmm. And there would always be one of those inside the uh, that the mess would put there. So, you know, you know, they're not they're not musicians or, or rock mm-hmm. stars, but you know, some little things like that are are pretty neat.
0: Oh, and those those little details go a long way, uh, yeah. making somebody's life easier. I think, and sure. all the pressure that they're under. So, can you tell us anything about what it's it, it, does it from your point of view mm-hmm. as an You know, when you were in the military side, the politics of either president made no difference
1: Mm-mm.
0: whatsoever, right? It made and it's no difference. The same now, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have friends who are still there. So they transitioned out of you know, I, people that are still in the organization that went from Bush to Obama to President Trump, and now they're uh, with President Biden. Uh, and it really doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter who the president is, because in those organizations, you're supporting the office of the president. And there's, there's a mission that you have to do and you have to accomplish. Uh, and yeah, politics aside, um, it's a it's a grind, you know, each and every day, in order to be able to support uh, support that level of basically government official. I mean, right, it's,
0: and like you know, most powerful
1: office in the world, right? So
0: exactly, and everything has use, to be perfect all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what you're striving for. We use the term zero zero defect environment, okay. um, but you know, lots of lots of preparation our teams went in cycles. We had uh, red, amber, green. So if you were in a red phase, um, you were, you you were taking time off, you were going to medical appointments, you know, and so forth training. And then when you were in the amber phase, you were handling events in and around Washington, DC. So you're not necessarily out on the road traveling, but then you would switch into the green phase and now you're on the road like for three months. So always use those. um, It's a technique. It's a technique Mm -hmm. to keep to, uh, to keep people fresh so Mm -hmm. that, so that you're, you know, you're, you have your lessons learned and you're constantly going back for retraining and continuous learning and building your skills. So then when it's your turn again to travel, you're more proficient than you were the time before. And it's just a, it was just a good cycle to keep people on that did that really accomplished the goal of building these high performing teams that could go out there and do that and function. And it's men and women, you know, it's, an all services represented Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, and Coast Guard uh, performing these duties and um, kept everybody sharp.
0: So, so what are like the communication tricks or tools that you use to, to make this happen?
1: Yeah, so one of the things uh, from our, our operations department, uh, they were they were the head of this particular um, endeavor. Uh, they kept. And we talked about it in the pre-show before we started about the importance of checklists and uh, having systems in place. But we had this, we had this guide, if you will, uh, and it was it it was uh, my gosh! It included it included all the literally day by day checklists for every single uh, skill set or specialty that supported uh, an event site day to day. Like this is the first thing you need to do. Second thing you need to do. You have to accomplish these things you know, if you're seven days prior to the president arriving, this is your checklist for that day. And those things had to be done on that day. Like you could not wait to do them in the next day. Um, and then there's oversight and controls put in place to ensure that they actually did get done. And every team, every team member had their own checklist for every single day of the trip, uh, all covered in this big, big, Um, I called it a guide earlier, standard operating procedures, a big SOP uh, Mm -hmm. on on the type of support and what we were supposed to be doing to to support the president, vice president, first lady, uh, White House staff, and so forth. So as things would change, this document becomes a very, it's a a living, it's a living, breathing document. uh, And it's very transparent to everybody. So it wasn't something that was kept in secret. Only certain people got to see the document um, or this guide, you know, so you could have been a junior person in the organization and that person on the team, you know, and I'm at the top and I'm the leader of the team. They absolutely had access to my checklist. They could see what it was that I was responsible for each and Mm -hmm, every day. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, yeah, full transparency. Everybody's, everybody's aware of what everybody's supposed to be doing and, and so forth. And it really made for, um, Just really made for the right type of environment.
0: It sounds like it, like low drama, like we don't have time for drama. (laughs) No time for drama.
1: That's right. No time for drama. We have real things that have to get done and, and it's all for, it's all for the president.
0: That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So were you were, so I know that you have worked in human resources. So what was your role leading the communication how like how did yeah. that happen because you were started sure. off as a soldier right yeah so
1: i've been in human resources <laughs> my whole life um okay. yeah that was my that was my specialty in the military was uh, uh military started out back in the day personnel administration transitioned to the human resources uh, that has always been my primary my primary duty our <laughs> primary role is uh Performing human resources. And then inside the, uh, when I was recruited and interviewed for and and got the job with the White House Communications Agency, um, I was hired. My primary role was the chief of HR operations. So about a thousand person organization. So I had an HR team of 23 people, and we're supporting, just like in a company, HR, you're supporting that whole organization from a human resources perspective. But then but then what was unique about this organization because the every president, every president seems to travel a little bit more than the president prior.
0: Really? Uh, It's just just one of those
1: phenomena. Yeah. It's one of those. Oh, you know, president Clinton had traveled so much, but then president Bush gets in office. Oh, he traveled more than president Clinton. And then president Obama traveled a little Mm -hmm. more than president Bush. And it was just this cycle Mm -hmm. and there were not, uh, that just comes with a lot of support. Mm -hmm. So our organization, uh, there's only so many positions or so many full time, I would say, uh, communications teams, team members, that it really took an entire organization to support this effort. So we had our own internal training academy and they would take all of, we take all of the officers. So regardless of your, regardless of your skill set, you could have been HR, finance, um, logistics, uh, you name it. Uh, you went through the training academy to be a presidential communications officer, and then that became a part-time job on top of your full-time job.
0: Oh wow, They were busy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> well, so we were very busy. Yes, individuals. So I would I'd go to work every day, perform my human resources uh, role, and then the operations department would tag me every so often to say, "Okay, Bo, it's your turn. You know, we want you to lead this trip to Denver or to." Iowa or something like that or, or whatever. And then I'd get assigned to that trip and then I'd get assigned a team. And then after duty hours, you know, leading up, I do all the planning, preparation, meeting with the team and getting everything, getting everything ready, coordinated with all my counterparts, white house staff, secret service counterparts. And then we would, um, we would depart. And then while I was gone for the week, then that was my sole job. So it'd be like being out of the office for a week. Um,
0: oh wow
1: yeah so and then well, what, it was go ahead
0: i was just gonna say because i you know what we what we the outsiders see of these presidential yeah trips and so forth is of course the president we see this the press secretary and we see the secret service people so do That's you, right. you deal with the secret service too
1: yeah so there was um there's usually three heads of the of a trip so you had the you had the security aspect, which was Secret Service, and they'd have someone leading, leading their effort um, for whatever event or trip it was going to be. And the White House staff, they White House staff had a lead that would um, be like the overall coordinator for the whole trip, knowing what mm-hmm, the president's mm-hmm, agenda is mm-hmm. going to be, why the president is coming here, and that, and and so forth. And then you had the communications team, which was us, and so you had like three heads to the to this to this trip and we would make sure from the communications aspect literally um, you see the secret service agents you know you see them on tv everybody's got their little right, earpiece and they right. talk like this well for them to do that's all in a secure environment so that all that infrastructure if they're not in washington dc that infrastructure doesn't exist throughout the country so the communications team has to put it in
0: i see wow yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's, you know, our radio, our satellite communication people on our team, we're putting in this infrastructure around the event site to make sure that everybody can speak and talk um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from where the president lands to every place he has to go for this particular event. Uh, so there's a lot of work, a lot of things happening, even if the president's only stopping in this city for an hour.
0: Wow. Doesn't matter.
1: I mean, there's it's happening. And then if he's going from one city to the next city to another city. There's teams in each one of those cities, uh, making sure this all this all takes place and this all happens.
0: Wow, that's yeah. that's pretty remarkable. Well, the people who arranged all those Trump rallies must have been very yeah. busy. so that's
1: you know that's always a, um, you are you are 100 right. So when the president is an incumbent and they're up for reelection, obviously they're traveling even more. Right. right. So the burden,
0: crazy.
1: the burden on all of the, su- the support infrastructure supporting that
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, is it's exponential. It's just, uh, yeah. Yeah. So when I'm me from my vantage point and having had that experience, when I'm watching this take place, I'm thinking of, oh man, there's a lot of uh, my, well, they're not my teammates today, but um, my brethren in that brethren mm-hmm. and sisters mm-hmm. in that duty, in that role, man i i can i can i know what they're going through right Right. so here's
0: some excedrin
1: yeah (laughs) that's That's right
0: well let's pivot a little bit because i I know you're a big into i mean i i'm like the little groupie asking all about the celebrity questions but (laughs) really want to also well i've got you here talk about culture because culture and communication are so tied together as is leadership so um, so what can we learn about culture from the largest employer in the whole world? Tell us about yeah. that.
1: So the largest employer is the is the United States Army. Um, it's 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 huge when you add in uh, your active military, your reservists, and all of the uh, gov- all of the department of the Army civilians that work in that organization. and it's all tied to, values. So even in corporate America, when you think about most companies have, you have a mission, you have a mission, you have a vision, and they may, most many do, but they may have a set of values that they advertise on the wall or on the website or whatever. Um, But from the army perspective, what we can learn is the army's values are so tied into absolutely everything that happens. It's tied into performance evaluations, it's tied into, I mean, you can't go on any army installation or base around the world and not see the army values posted everywhere. It's in the leadership training, uh, the formal leadership development training that, that all soldiers go through, uh, it's, it's everywhere. And it, it is, it is um, the way I describe it in the book, it's, it's the behaviors that you would expect to see based upon the values. So it's the expectations, the behaviors that soldiers should demonstrate that would align with the values. So the army values, there's seven of them, loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, and personal courage. So when I'm working with companies or even if I write in my book and I'm doing speaking engagements and so forth, when we talk, when, like how do we translate that back to uh, corporate America? Right. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. So companies have values uh, if they have them or if they don't have them, let's help them establish their core values. But it's not enough to just say, hey, we our value is empathy. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. Okay. Right.
1: right. That's not enough. What does that mean to your company? What are the types of behaviors you'd want to see your employees exude that would demonstrate that they understand what empathy is? And I'm talking from top to bottom CEO to the most junior employee. What are those what are those behaviors that you would want to see uh, in your company? Mm-hmm. And are, mm-hmm. are those written into the job descriptions? Are they written into, you know, do all the levels of leadership understand that when they're talking to their, to their, uh, to their employees or their teams uh, from a performance perspective, uh, are they seeing that? And if they're not seeing it, are they having those candid conversations? Are they communicating um, on a regular basis? These behaviors that we should see based upon our core values. Uh, there's lots of studies out there, and I, I was when I did research for my book that companies that actually get this right, mm-hmm. I mean, right. The, the results are are exponential compared to their competitors who don't. And you're talking better sales, better net profits, um, less turnover, better cultures, um, better you know the workplaces that everybody says yes, this is a great workplace. I want to work here
0: right um, yeah that's I see usually that,
1: what you find
0: yes I see that from the coaching side whether because yeah. some places have famous cultures but people hate it there yeah. and that's <laughs> yeah and then there's the ones that and I think yeah I mean a lot of the more established companies I think they really the reason they're still around is because they have figured that out
1: they've figured it out right
0: Yes, but I want to. So yeah, you think so? A company should have its values in the job descriptions. Um, yeah, I do, and in the performance reviews. But what about like date, like our weekly team meeting? Are we going to talk about those then too? I think
1: you we think? should always be it should be, uh, for onboarding for team meetings that we should always be a part of the discussion. But it's not enough. Um, you know the example and is. I just, I threw empathy out there. Say that. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like, whatever, it's
0: a great one to throw out, by the yeah, way. Whatever
1: the values are and, and mm-hmm. values can be different by, mm-hmm. by company, of course, As um, truly laying out what, what that word means and mm-hmm. then communicating that. So when you think about um, the hiring process and it's like, well, we want to find someone who's a great fit for our company. Right. It's easy. To, it's easy to check the blocks that say, oh, they're, they're, we're looking for a computer programmer and they need c they need c they need Python and JavaScript. Those are technical skills that are easy to go through a resume and look at someone's background and say, yep, you know how to do that or whatever the case might be. But are you going to be a great fit for the team we're going to put you on or for this company? So it's designing those behavioral-based questions, not saying, hey, do you know what empathy is? Do you <laughs> believe in empathy? Right? It's like, what are all the behaviors associated with that? Ask them questions. That would make them give an answer that would either demonstrate that they understand, or they know what empathy is, or they've perf- they've they've done that, or they they use that in their daily um, in their daily life.
0: Right. Uh, so That's- it
1: takes. It's not just a, you know, hey, just go do this. There's some training and some skills to uh, all the way from the candidate hiring process to make sure that people are know how to interview in order to find. Not just the skills they're looking for, but the intangibles that people are gonna people are going to be aligned with the values of your company um,
0: right, and, right. I, and I really like how you you know you drill down and get it specific about this is what empathy is in our company because if I just say sobo, tell me when you were empathetic Tell me about a time yeah. when you were empathetic right and and I want to mention to our re- readers <laughs> I'm the reader. <laughs> I read the book. <laughs> Uh, to the audience, there are some exercises in the book that will, if anybody is interested in my right, I, see, I yeah. I'm not making that up. No, um, you're
1: there. not. You read it. You read it. I did put that in the, toward the back of the book on some exercises or how tos.
0: Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I and, did. Yep. About writing out the. I'm just going to go over this, some of these briefly, but it's really mm-hmm. helpful about writing out the full dictionary definitions, including noun and verb variations and then reading those, reading them out loud, discussing them, brainstorming them, writing out uh, behaviors. And, and, and so he's got, and he goes through this in the book with the value of honesty, but I think uh, any company could take this book and take that exercise and really get a lot of value, especially if it's a younger company uh, that uh, wants to polish. Maybe they already have the, I think uh-huh. I, mean, I don't want to say all companies have values. I see it a lot. But then I remember doing a training at a company and, and I brought asked, Oh, what are your mm-hmm. company values? And everybody was like, scrambling, like, I know they're somewhere, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. So think them. about
1: what where I thought this was really fascinating in my background. Um, uh in, in healthcare, I was part of companies that were doing a lot of acquisitions. So oh, as yeah. we were acquiring other healthcare practices Um, then you really start getting into the, okay, there's a group of 30 employees. We bought this small business and they already, you know, this is a business been established for 20 or 30 years. Maybe it's a physician's office or a practice, and they already have a set of their own values and they they have their own culture. So then you get into the, how do we wrap them into this new company? um, because they've been acquired now. And there's just this laundry list of things. And if you have processes and procedures and how you actually integrate people into your new company um, or into this new company, being able to talk to them about your values and what they actually mean and not mm-hmm. just say, hey, it's it's empathy and respect, right? right. Um, you gotta be able to communicate what that actually means or you're not gonna have a really good time trying to really integrate these people and make them feel like, okay, now we're part of this bigger company and we fit in and, and so forth. Um,
0: Can you tell, do you have any stories uh, about maybe where, like, like let's say that Bo acquires, Bo's acquires Mcsonian Institute. And I'm like, Hey, but I like my values better than yours or anything like that. Does that ever happen?
1: Yeah, no, it it absolutely happened and um so in this particular company, we we it was growing so fast. When I got to the company it was 170 employees and when I left it was pushing a thousand. Um oh, and it my- was all through acquisition of these mm-hmm. uh these smaller businesses uh in multiple states. And so we were we were trying to define just like you said, small companies might not have established values. So as we're trying to define our own values, and then you go into a business that's already been in existence for twenty years, um, the the pushback was incredible because they are already they already had their set well, let's say it's their set ways. They already had the culture of their of their organization, um, and in many times it was really keeping keeping an open mind that even though even though we were the higher headquarters, we were the corporate office, um, that I think one of the, the most important parts of communication is listening, right? Yes. you have to be able to listen. And it didn't always mean that you go in and then you, you just try to flip the script and mm-hmm. implement change and be a dictator and say, well, this is what we're gonna do. Sorry, this, these are your new values and this is what we expect to see. Um, lots of collaboration, lots of talking, lots of listening. Uh, in order to set the right path forward, or they were they were just not going to feel like they were part of the company. Um, yeah,
0: that's, yeah. Th- I mean, that's a that's a big big issue. It's like solving world hunger in a podcast. Yeah. I mean, but it's something <laughs> that you definitely need to need to address. Yep. What about how can you tell us any stories about adapting? values now that we're working remote and talking and having all our meetings remote is it does it um ha- have you seen anything specific that you could tell us about uh how the values have helped uh maybe a company adjust to the you know the pandemic re- uh yeah situation
1: um so companies that you talked about earlier that have strong values already and it's already in like ingrained mm-hmm and who they are and throughout their teams, having a better time, easier time of of getting people on on Zoom and still being part of um, their overall company values. And I've literally been reading lately where companies that were struggling with this, yeah, everybody switched over and the pandemic caused us to get out of the offices and do this type of interaction on video conferencing and work from home every day. And initially it's kind of, it's different. It's kind of cool. Right, I don't have to drive. Right. I don't have to commute, whatever the case might right. be. Um, and people get set up and they're enjoying it and it's just a new thing and, and so forth. And then, I don't know if laziness is the right word but things, behavior started to change and they're changing um, where you don't have this strong values-based leadership approach where then it was, okay, so we're not showing up dressed properly. On the, on the Zoom meetings, right? Or we're late or we're less, we're lackadaisical about um, noise and everything happening around us. You know, where in the beginning we were very uh, stringent and we made sure we got our little home office set up and we were good to go. And then all of a sudden it's now my laptop's actually sitting on my lap because I'm sitting in the recliner and I'm not, you know, I mean, it's those types of things that are happening and now I've seen where CEOs are saying, hey, you know, this can't be the new norm. Right. Right.
0: I agree. I agree. Yeah.
1: People were saying, you know, last fall or August, like, hey, this is going to be the new companies are going to be able to work from home every day. And even when the pandemic's over, this could be the new thing. And now it's kind of you're hearing you're hearing the grumblings uh, louder and louder that this cannot be the new norm because the productivity is falling off norms are are falling off people are doing what they want to do not showing up um, in an appropriate fashion to the meetings uh, and so forth where got to get people back to the to the office
0: well yeah the thing is when, when you don't share the physical space ever because yeah. you know wasn't what if you went into the, to the office once a week you would be sharing but not sharing that space there's just so many distractions and People's uh, people are just more scatterbrained now because mm-hmm. of more things going on and everything being digital. And actually, it's more cognitive load to yeah. be in these Zoom meetings than in the face to face meeting. So yeah, it's it's a bit it's a big um, it's a big mess, <laughs> a big yeah. challenge that we're facing. Well, we're getting towards the end, and I have more questions. So I'm going okay. to ask um, a, a couple of things um, if. If you're interviewing at a company or you're, you know, you're, you go, you research their values and you ask them about it, but how do you know, how, how could a person tell if a company is living out their values?
1: Yeah. I think even as an individual on the outside, if you're listening, Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this podcast, right. And and when you're researching these companies and you find that they have their values posted, do this, do the same type of exercise, you yourself identify what is the definition. And, and I just push people back to the dictionary because it's, it's the origin of the words that they're using are that, you know, what are they? And then look for the verbs, the verb forms of the word, and that will start helping you, uh, get an inkling of the types of behaviors that in, that the company should be demonstrating and the people in the company. Um, and, and then obviously, as you're engaging in the interview process with different people, whether it's starting with HR and the hiring managers and whomever it is that you, you speak with, listen to see if they start talking or if, if you can identify in the questions they're asking you, do they even know what their values are? Right? right. Are
0: right. they?
1: Yeah. Are they? And hey, it doesn't hurt to ask a question, right? Oh, if, no, as, I think as the should. candidate, ask right. the question. No, Could yeah, you, you see if see if that's a really kind of a, a telling, um, very telling uh, response you would get is if you ask somebody to, hey, you know, I, I, I read through your mission, your vision, your values. Um, I think I align. Can you tell me more about how you use your values in your company? Right. right. And exactly. see if they have an answer. And that's
0: right. I, yeah. I love that. That's really good. And then this question is a little bit um, non. in a way it's a non sequitur, but it's something that I hear a lot about with teams working remote. Cause I work a lot with team leaders or people really working at the team level and they're asking me or like, I have, I'm just thinking of a client who just moved to Europe, to London and London's Mm -hmm. completely shut down. She's leading a team all across Europe. So they've never met. She's new to the role and she wants to do a team building. Like what, with your experience, what is your take on team building, especially with remote work?
1: Yeah. So first, first thing when, when you're remote and, and a lot of people have been doing remote work prior to COVID, right? True. And, Absolutely. Right?
0: Absolutely. So
1: if you take the tactic of, you know, in the military, we called it a daily standup. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a daily thing. So have a daily time with your mm-hmm. team, even in if select the right time. And it might only need, and you're on Zoom, obviously, if you're remote or some type of video platform where you can see each other and, and have this daily check-in with your team mm-hmm. uh, every single, every single workday don't okay. don't miss a day and i think it's even more critical when we are remote yeah because because you don't have the oh i walked by Laura's uh cubicle right and that knock on the door doing? right mm-hmm. you don't have that so you got to be purposeful with intent uh and mm-hmm. in setting this up and then from a team building perspective maybe each week this is one thing i always loved about like actual team building type of mm-hmm. exercises um Maybe it's, you know, today, if I'm the leader, I'm leading this meeting this week, but next week I say, Hey, Laura, I'd like you to lead the meeting, right? Coordinate the agenda. Let's talk about stuff that you're working on your projects, right. And help you help you get used to actually leading this virtual meeting. And then the next week it's somebody else, uh, and so forth.
0: And in the meantime,
1: you're building, you're building their, um, you're helping them build their confidence and leadership and actually lead the team. Lead the meeting. Mm-hmm. So it's like giving mm-hmm. people an opportunity to be in the leadership position periodically. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yes, I really like that. That's a great yeah. actionable takeaway. Very actionable.
1: Yep. And, it, and it's just a chunk, right? So if you have mm-hmm. an hour meeting or a 30 minute meeting, that's not burdensome. It's not overwhelming to somebody, but it's get them right. in the habit of doing that because there'll come a day when it's hopefully for them and their career progression, they want to get promoted and they've had some experience because you gave them the opportunity to -hmm. lead a meeting. Right.
0: Exactly. I love it. Super. All right. Well, we're getting to the end of the, of our time together. So for everybody that's listening, this is, Bo is going to give you some career advice from his uh, very values based leadership point of view about how you can flourish this year and get the results you want. So tell us, lay it on us.
1: There you go. Number one, reflect upon your own personal values. Uh, Make sure you are are solid in what it is that uh, your own belief system is and your own values and how you behave every day. Find that in a company that has similar values to you as an individual. And hopefully then you find you find the fit. Cause I think it's, it's, you know, when we look at companies that have high turnover and so forth, something is going wrong and there's not a match between, are we a fit for this company? Whether the company's finding the wrong people or people joining for the wrong reasons, whatever the case might be. Um, You know, some people will say, find thing that you're passionate about, but if if you reflect on your personal values and what you believe in, search for those companies that share those similar types of values And then find out if they actually behave that way. That's Mm -hmm. that's a way to find your own uh, your best place of where you might prosper the most uh, in your career development. Uh, And then continuous. I'm a fan and listen. If you're listening to podcasts um, like this one, you know that's a form of continuous learning. And I am I am a fan of continuous learning of constantly. Going back to the well for more knowledge, more tools and tips and tactics, uh, reading books. If you can pull something from a book, one thing, you know, it was worth the 15, 20 bucks you spent on the book because it just gave you something else that you could grab onto and implement in your own, your own workplace, your own, your own career journey. Um, continuous learning, personal values, and uh, making sure that you know what those values are and the values of your company. Uh, that you're working for,
0: right? And, I, and I, for me, what the the values based leadership speaks to me is that it enables you to have meaning in your work. It's not yeah. just you know deliver the, the deliverables, right? But that that it's serving a deeper purpose yeah. in your development and the development of the other people.
1: Yeah. If I could sum that up, because you're absolutely you are absolutely right. Companies have we said earlier mission, vision, values. The values is what's going to push you to actually accomplish the mission the mission today and achieve your vision down the road If the values are off you're gonna yeah. have a problem That's so, right yeah
0: all right Stephanie so tell us uh, in closing tell us briefly about your uh, Bow and Luke show and how people can get a hold of you if they'd like
1: sure to. So we started the Bo and Luke Show about a year ago we're 50 50 some 51 episodes in it's the Bow Luke show.com is our website you can find us on Spotify Apple podcasts all the all the normal podcast platforms. Um, our mission is to help people be better, know better and do better. Most of our episodes, we have guests, uh, like I'm having this guest opportunity on your podcast, uh, some amazing guests that you can learn from and learn from their ups and downs and lives and how they got through and got to where they're at today. And, uh, you can find me on my personal website at robertbrabo.com. And from there, you can get to our e-learning platform, uh, all the stuff that, that we offer through or that I offer through my company. And um, that's probably the easiest way.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This has been very insightful, very enjoyable. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye until the next time.